most of the people that are in this room, if not all of you, will probably attempt to go to the beach sometime this summer. I think that's a pretty fair thing to say, that some of us will get to the beach at least sometime this summer. Hopefully, this past week of Shark Week did not deter you from that. Last year in North Carolina, we had Shark Year. This week, we had Shark Week on Discovery Channel. Hopefully, it will not deter you from going to the beach. In April of 2015, it was spring break, and Dana and I decided, hey, we're going to take a family trip to the beach. We're going to load up the kids, take them down to the beach, and just have a great time at Wrightsville, Wrightsville Beach. You know, I can go from my driveway to the pier at Wrightsville Beach, and I can be there in two hours and 15 minutes, and that is travel time with the umbrella and the chairs and the blankets and the towels set up. That's a pretty awesome deal. Can get right down there from Wrightsville Beach to go and have that all set up. And this particular spring break in April of 2015, we decided, hey, that's what we'll do. We, we left at 10 o'clock, and most of the time, the rices usually roll with one, possibly two Heinzes. So we adopted two Heinz children and put them in the car. Please do not judge about the buckling and the seat arrangements. And we drove in our minivan all the way down to Riceville Beach, and we had an incredible day that day. We were just, we had a great day. The day started out beautiful. We started out, it was raining when we got there, it was overcast. Next thing I know, the sun came out. We decided, hey, let's, let's line the beach and have our own family football game. And so we divided up. We had Dana's team. She was a quarterback, and then there was my team. And I will say that Dana won because I let her. No, she did not. She won fair. (laughs) Evil eye. I just got the evil eye. She won fair and square, and she won that day on the beach. And then shortly after that, the kids were really hot and said, hey, we need to to go, and we need to, uh, they want to cool off. Well, the kids wanted to go swimming. It was too cold for Dan and I, so we went, we sat down in our chairs, and then the kids sort of just went off to the, to, the, uh, to the water. And Dana said, hey, let's take a selfie. And so we smooched during a selfie. I do not have a picture of that here. And then um, we, we, next thing I know, all of a sudden, Molly comes running around the corner. And this is where the day completely changed. And I will never forget it. My daughter came up to me and she said, Luke and Caden are in trouble. And they need your help. I threw off my glasses, and I just started running, David Hasselhoff style. Hey, hey, don't hassle the Hoff, okay? And I started running. Our German friends, they know that, because David Hasselhoff is loved in Germany. And so you can, I was running down the beach, running down the beach, and I started running into the water, and I could tell that Luke and Caden had been sucked out in a riptide. And I could tell that they were frantically trying to get in. Luke was trying to push on Caden to get his traction to stay up. But at that moment, they were about 40 yards away from me. I started running, going into the water. The waves were crashing over my head. I just remember praying, God, please no. Please no. And at that moment, God in his sovereignty, this is going to sound weird, but God in his sovereignty picked me up and put me into the riptide. And all of a sudden, he sent me out to them. Caden had swum free because if you're in a riptide, make sure you know this, kids are in here with us. If you are in a riptide, don't panic, number one, and swim parallel and then go in. Caden did exactly that. Luke was still trying to get his traction 
and I was going for it. And at the moment that I got into the riptide, we met. And I said, Luke, I am your father. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm just kidding. If I don't say that, I'm going to cry, okay? And we met, and it was, he was climbing on my head. And we went sideways, and we came back in. And I collapsed. And that day will always be a day that I will be forever grateful to be able to have the chance to rescue my son as his father. As I look at our text this morning, Colossians 1, 12 and 13, the Apostle Paul is so overwhelmed of the great rescue of the Father that he breaks out into a prayer of thanksgiving. And what I want us to do this morning is I want us to sort of, before we come to the table, is I want us to be able to come to the table with great, great thanksgiving for the great rescue of the Father. So I want you to go to Colossians and we'll sort of take a look at three points there before we come and partake of the elements here at the table. There's a guy in the Bible, I don't want to insult your intelligence, a lot of you know who he is, but there's quite possibly someone here that you don't. There's a guy by the name of Paul. Paul, he was a, uh, he was a persecutor of Christians, meaning he did not like Christians. He was responsible and saw them die. He wanted to kill them. He wanted to destroy them. Then, quite, then he was walking on this road called Damascus, and God blinded him and opened up his eyes to see Jesus for who he is and got to see the great rescue of God and that you can only be rescued by God's gift, and that's Jesus. You can't be rescued by anything else but by Jesus, and Paul realized that. And so Paul dedicated his entire life for letting people know who Jesus is. He went and he planted churches, several churches, And oftentimes what he would do is he would plant those churches and then he would write letters to those churches perhaps to rebuke them because they had gone away from true doctrine. Perhaps to remind them of what the gospel was all about. And perhaps to just simply encourage them. The book of Colossians. Paul is writing to a group of people in in the city, a group of churches in the city of Colossae. There's a lot of churches that this letter is for. What they were doing at this time is that they had believed or started to believe that Jesus wasn't supreme, that he wasn't sufficient. It was, they they were attaining to some great knowledge, some spiritual knowledge. Yes, Jesus did some great things. Yes, he died on the cross for our sins, but then there was something else that we needed. Paul started off the letter very encouraging and broke out into a beautiful prayer before he went into really the theme of his book, which is Christ is in all. Christ is sufficient for all people, which is the theme of the book of Colossians. Before he gets to all of that, which we won't cover today, he goes into this beautiful, beautiful prayer. And we're going to pick up that prayer in in, uh, Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. And sort of titled this message, I've titled the message, The Rescue of God. The Great Rescue of God. And so, we're going to take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 12 and 13, and it starts out by saying this. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light, in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness, and he has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. And there's really three things that I want you to see, because oftentimes 
We can run to God with our petitions and our requests, but sometimes it's, it's incredibly important to stop, pause, and just reflect on his great rescue. And I think that that's important, and I hope that this text will help us get to that place. First thing I want you to see is that God qualified us. God qualified us. Look at verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father. This is what I love about the text. A lot of times when we go in our prayers, we think, thank you, Jesus, for this. Thank you, Jesus, for this. Paul, in his understanding of the entire Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Trinitarian view of God, he realizes that this great rescue, that this great deliverance that he's going to pray and thank God for happens because of a great Father, a good God. And he says, giving thanks to the Father, he knows that that's where it all came from. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. I know there's a lot of us at times, we think that we're qualified by the things that we do. We are not qualified when we just sit there and say, hey, I tell the truth, I never lie. We're not qualified when we clean our room, although you should. We're we're not qualified when, when, when there's a lot of people who like us, maybe a people pleaser. We're not qualified when we get a raise at work. We're not qualified by how much money we make. We're not qualified by the house that we live or the neighborhood that which we live in. We are not qualified if we are married or qualified if we are single. We are qualified for, the, listen, the wrath of God. That's what we're qualified for. But in his great love and in his great mercy, he said, I'm going to send my son who's going to redeem you, who's going to qualify you, not because of what you will do or have done, but because, simply because of what he has done. We are qualified. And this text, I hope, will sort of prepare us to come to the table to celebrate and give thanks to the great rescue of the Father because the first thing is because he qualified us. The only thing that we are qualified, listen, is the wrath of God. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 says, but God, in his great love and mercy, sent forth his beautiful son to redeem us. And that's really the point of Paul's prayer, is that we would be grateful, that we would be thankful in the great rescue, because God alone has qualified us. The second thing I want you to see is God delivered us. God delivered us. If you take a look in verse 13, verse 13 says this, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. The word deliver means to rescue. Paul is overwhelmed and understands that when he was persecuting Christians, causing havoc to the cause of Christ, he was in the domain of darkness. That's the realm of where Satan lives, and that was our home. There is consequences for living in that place forever. And so Paul is basically coming back and saying, God, I want to thank you for delivering us. I want to thank you for rescuing us. It caused him great, great joy. Last week, I had the privilege of going caving for the very first time. Let me just say this right now. I'm a little claustrophobic. And going into a cave causes me great fear. And I'm in that cave, and I'm going, oh, Lord Jesus, please don't let this cave, please don't let it collapse. I kept looking back at the opening, and I could see the light coming in, and I had a headlamp, and at one point in time, they told us to turn off the lights so the guide could talk to us We turned off the lights, and it was pitch black. And I was like, wow. And here's where we are, apart from Jesus. We are in the domain of darkness. That's where we are. 
And the great God of creation came and he delivered us, he rescued us from that domain of darkness. In 2010, on August the 5th of 2010, there are 33 Chilean miners who went 2,300 feet underground to dig for copper and gold. They went three miles from the entrance and 69 days later, they came out. 69 days, they were trapped in a mine. Here's the great thing about their rescue. Their rescue did not depend on them. Their rescue was dependent on someone else. And that's why we get to come to the table and celebrate the great rescue of God because he qualified us. He delivered us. And here's the next part. See, we were in the domain of darkness and he rescued us from that penalty of being in that domain. And here's the next part in verse 13. The next part says this. It says, he delivered us from the domain of darkness. Here's the next word. And transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. And so not only did he prevent us from having the consequences of the results of that domain, what did he do? He goes over here and says, I'm picking you up from this place and I'm putting you over here in this place. I'm transforming your residence. I grew up in um, all over the East Coast. A lot of people ask me, where did you grow up? I graduated high school in Connecticut, but I started out in Virginia. We moved to Pennsylvania. A year later, we moved to upstate New York. And four years later, we moved to Connecticut. And then six years after that, we moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, where I went to co- over, close to where I went to school. And I remember like it was yesterday, we would walk home, or we would come home from school. My dad was a businessman. He worked for the insurance company, Traveler's Insurance Company. He would come home and he would sit down at the dinner table and he would say, hey, you know what? We've been transferred. We're being transferred. I knew exactly what that would mean. What that meant was there was this big Mayflower truck going to come soon. They packed up all of our stuff and they picked us up from this area and they moved us to another area completely. We had a new home. Listen to me. Listen to me. That's exactly what God the Father has done to his children. He has qualified you. He has delivered you and rescued you. And he has transferred you into the kingdom of his son. That's Jesus. I'll never forget that April day at Wrightsville Beach, North Carolina. I went back this fall, this this spring, excuse me. But I'll never forget that day. I'll never forget the day that I, as my son's father, was able to rescue my son. And I will never forget the day, and I pray that you never forget the day, that the God of this universe came to rescue you. I can tell you the great joy in my life from that day. And it pales into comparison the great day when people repent and place their faith in Jesus and celebrate over taking bread and a cup because one day he's coming back And in the meantime, he's left us here to do something supernatural. See, here's the beauty of what happened that day. Say, in essence, here's what God did. What God did for you and what God did for me in this great rescue is he took us, okay? He took himself. He took himself and he placed himself in the riptide of our sin. And he defeated it because he went to a cross. He went to a grave and that grave is empty. 
But then he picked us up and he rescued us and he transferred us and he placed us over here into the beauty of the riptide of his grace. And my prayer is that you will never, ever get over the great rescue of our Father. He loves you. He has delivered you. He has qualified you. And he has transferred you. And the, 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 the meaning here is what do we do with all of that? I mean, what do we do with that, that information? Well, if you take a look at qualified, delivered, and transferred, those, those, the tense of those words is in the past tense. So my challenge to you is not to live so that you will be qualified, but live like you are qualified. Don't live so that you will be delivered. Live like you are delivered. Don't live like you uh, ha- have not been transferred, but live like you have been transferred. Let the past tense of those words be true about your life. And if they are not, if you cannot stand up and say, I've been qualified, I've been delivered, I've been transferred, then during this next song here, I would beg and I would plead you to say yes to the great rescue of the Father and that you would give him thanks that only he can rescue you. Let's pray. God in heaven, I love you. I am overwhelmed by your great rescue and your great provision. I love you and I thank you for the opportunity for, to be able to brag and boast on your great rescue. And I'm thankful for the opportunity to speak truth today here at Northwest. If there is anybody in here that has not been rescued, may today be the day that they come to faith in you. And for those of us that will come to the table and declare we've been qualified, delivered, and, and transferred, may we give thanks to you, our Father, for doing just what you were sent to do to rescue us. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.